0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're joined by guest Charles Green.
1: Hi, guys. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hey, Charles. Well, we're excited about this. So well, let, me, let me kind of set the stage a little bit. So the idea for this episode came from a post on trustedadvisor.com, which is the firm run by Trust Guru and friend of the show, Charles Green. And you may remember Charlie from an earlier TVOA episode. It was number 75 on Building Trust. And uh, it was one of our top five episodes, by the way. So he is the co-author of the absolute classic, The Trusted Advisor, along with Robert Galford and David Meister. And he is the first repeat guest on The Business of Authority. So Charles Green, welcome. All
2: right. That's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs>
1: you. Well, we're delighted to have you back. And so let me, again, set, set the stage a little bit. So right now, depending on where you are on the planet, we're about three to six weeks as we record this into captivity, right? Three to six weeks of hunkering down at home while we wait for this current situation to resolve. And one of the things that I think both Jonathan and I have received is a ton of questions about what should I be doing now? And some people are moving forward, making progress, but there are plenty of people who are feeling stuck. Right. Either their clients or their own businesses are on hold, and you know, it's not a good place to be. So when I saw the post on the trust equation, which is the trustworthiness formula from your book, it just felt like the perfect time to revisit not only the equation, but how to use it right now. So I guess first, will you tell us about the trust equation? What is it? And how does it work?
2: Well, let's see. Um, Thanks for picking up on that. Yeah, the trust equation is what you're referring to. And just to set the stage, um, it's really the trustworthiness equation. And uh, we refer to it as the trust equation shorthand. But really, it's half of an interaction between people that creates trust. The other half is trusting. And that's the first part. Somebody has to take a little risk by trusting another person. And then they respond by either being trustworthy or not. So, but let's dive into the trustworthy part, which is um, uh, the the trust equation. It's got four components, very simply, C plus R plus I over S. That stands for credibility plus reliability plus intimacy, all divided by self-orientation. It's fairly self-explanatory, but briefly, credibility is like credentials and expertise and subject matter mastery. Reliability is like dependability, track record, Um, both of those are two are kind of you know rational you can figure out behaviors to link with them the other two are more emotional intimacy and in the denominator self-orientation intimacy is very basically do i feel safe and secure sharing things with this person can i entrust them to a conversation that's that's intimate in some way and self-orientation in the denominator uh means it goes the other way high self-orientation means you're wrapped up in yourself and not really able to pay full attention to somebody in front of you. So the higher the self-orientation, the lower the trustworthiness, and and vice versa. If you're able to sort of get out of your own ego and out from between your ears, you're in a position to pay attention to, care about other people. And, you know, in these times, I mean, what that blog post you picked up on was, um, let's describe these times as um, stressful, okay? That's the and and people's routines are upended, You don't know what to do, and and that drives us into the kind of emotional realm. Business is not usual, and we all sort of uh, freak out a little bit, uh, uncertainty, change behaviors, Uh, and basically what that does is up the ante for the two emotional parts of the trust equation, the intimacy and the low self-orientation. So we can take this conversation anywhere, but basically what I'm suggesting is you need to pay attention to the fact that our emotional lives are front and center, um, you know, raw edges, um, Band-Aid ripped off, and that needs to be acknowledged in our interactions with our clients. The appropriate acknowledgement depends on the business you're in, the situation you're in, the people you're dealing with, but there's that underlying fact. We are more emotional beings right now than we were two months ago.
1: Well, doesn't that imply then that this is an excellent time to build intimacy?
2: Absolutely, it it really is, and I think uh, you know. Let's let's take a, an example. I work mostly with professional services organizations, so let's take one extreme case, which would be financial planners, uh, wealth managers, people whose job it is to you know help you think about uh, your your financial well being. At a time like this, the, the market's down thirty percent, whatever. Customers are freaking out. And the instinctive reaction of somebody who is a financial advisor is to think, "Oh my God, I don't want to call up people. They're going to slam me. Why is it down? Had you, you know, why did you get these stocks? What do I do? You know?" And it's because you know we don't like dealing with negativity. But of course, that's absolutely wrong. This is a fantastic time to reach out and have a deep discussion with your clients. Uh, not only giving them advice like, "Hang on, this too shall pass." but also to connect, you know, what, what is it that worries you about this? What are you most concerned about? What's going on? How are you guys doing? And to create those intimacy connections. So I think it was, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but never, never let a good crisis go to waste. Rahm Emanuel, I think (laughs) it was, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. So how, like in terms of steps, I mean, you mentioned reach out to people, ask them how they are. What can people do if they are feeling that kind of, that desire to sort of stick their head in the sand and, you know, close in you know, get in their shell and just hide.
2: Right. Um, Well, I give sort of a philosophical answer and then maybe a couple of practical ones. The philosophical one is get over yourself. Take a look at, we're watching cable TV and and network news anchors, you know, broadcasting from their basement and, and their, their home office and kids and dogs are running across the camera. And, uh, you know, the connection, you know, suddenly there are people we're watching. And, uh, I mean, that's happening all around. Everybody is kind of unmasked a little bit. Everybody is freaking out. So get over your damn self and pay attention to other people's freak out. Um, don't be so afraid. So that's an inside self-psychotherapy job kind of thing. More practically, I think what you can do, and, and this doesn't, uh, one step would be to sort of raise the bandwidth of the medium that you're communicating on. If you're used to doing email, step it up to a phone call. If you're used to doing a phone call and you have the opportunity, step it up to video. And by the way, don't do video off camera. And, and um, you know, don't worry about getting your tie straight. Just get, raise the <laughs> level of bandwidth. Um, and, and in general, the way you create greater trust through intimacy in particular is by one of two things, or both of two things. Number one is comment on something emotionally relevant to yourself like I gotta tell you, I'm feeling nervous about making this call, or comment on about some feeling emotion in the other person. You know, the other day you mentioned this thing, and, and it seemed to me you were you were really nervous about it. Tell me more about that. So comment on your own feelings, comment on the feelings of other people. So there's a few random examples. Let me let me stop there.
1: Actually, what's so interesting about that is I feel like it ties to the way you talk about self orientation, which is if if we think about what's going on in the minds of the other person or other people or a group of people in the case of people who have like a big social media audience. So can you talk more about this idea of self-orientation or it's opposite?
2: Yeah, it's, um, you know, at at some level we're all, um, our, our primal instincts are fight or flight. You know, we all react, um, in a self-preserving kind of way to times of stress. And, um, and that's inevitable. I mean, the, the phrase is pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. You know, (laughs) bad stuff's going to happen. The question is how long you stay wallowing in how bad is that stuff? It's happening to me. And how quickly are you able to get out and say, well, ouch, I bet other people are hurting too. wonder what's going on with them. So to shift from, you know, neurotic self-obsession to healthy curiosity about other people. And I haven't found any quick way to do that. I think it's, um, it, it, it's just, for me anyway, it's been a series of little one, clever one-liners and, you know, continually noticing when I am self-involved and, and when I've managed not to be or to notice other people who are able to do it. We appreciate people who have the ability to get out of outside of themselves. And we, we are not drawn to people who are needy and who constantly exhibit that neediness.
0: That's a good segue into one of the bullet points uh, in the article about making generous offers.
2: Right. Um, well, let's think, again, we're at this particular point in the in the pandemic, and I think all of us are noticing there's an awful lot of service providers out there, local restaurants, gig gig economy people, Uber drivers, house cleaners, dog walkers, et cetera, and they're they're being shut down. And you know, a generous offer would be, uh, you know, make sure you go out and, and buy some takeout dinner from your favorite restaurant. Send the house cleaner a check, even though they couldn't come in the building. Something like that. Now that's that's easy. That's handing out some money if you're better off than somebody else. Um, more in a in a in a pure business context, um, this notion of being generous. Um, actually goes to a trust-based approach to business development, even in good times. Give a risky gift. Give something to somebody, maybe an insight, a hypothesis that, that uh, pushes the limits that actually might be wrong. Give them something of your intellectual capital that isn't bulletproof, You know, cleaned up to a white paper, but you have to take a little bit of risk. Go out there and say, look, guys, it seems to me we've never talked about this and I could be wrong, but it seems to me you should be looking into X, Y, and Z. And um, uh, the, the fact that you're taking an intellectual risk there functions just like if you were taking an emotional risk. You know, the person on the receiving end of that is like, wow, you know, nobody's ever said that to me. Or, you know, that's interesting. Or they may even say that's actually wrong, but a provocative question now that you mention it and you're off to a good discussion. So take bigger risks, I guess, is is a lot of what that's about.
1: Yeah, you know, I guess the other thing that I've been wondering about is, you know, we've all seen examples of people hawking things right now that just kind of feel off or tone deaf. Exactly, right. But if you genuinely want to help your audience, like what's the right way to sell right now? Can we still sell?
2: Yes, you can. And I, I, um, I, I, you know, I'd be interested to get your take on this, too. You don't want to look like an ambulance chaser. And, you know, there are millions of as you, things that are out there right now that, that do kind of look like that. But I think in many cases you can sort through um, what the motives are. If, it's, if they're flogging the same old thing without even making a great business case for why it's different from what it was two months ago, it just comes through. Uh, but if on the other hand, you either have something that a is hundred percent more relevant than it was two months ago, then articulate why and put it out there. Or alternatively, maybe there's something that you weren't doing two months ago, but you're in a position to do now. And it really is required. Make the case and, and be transparent. You know, here's how we came up with this. Here's what's going on. And, uh, the other, other part of this is just, as I said, things are more emotional now that drives up the need to be personal. There's an awful lot of, and now this, this comment we could have been talking about a year ago. There's an awful lot of marketing out there that is brilliantly targeted and horribly personalized. <laughs> uh, just you know, all the uh, all the uh, high tech capabilities that we have to hone in on particular clients are getting used strictly to target people, and it's really no different than putting a billboard. Or, or, you know, in, you're walking through the grocery aisle and there's, you know, one of those um, uh, Bluetooth-enabled bing, you know, you can get a can of soup for $0.29 cents off. It's utterly impersonal. Uh, what we should do in cases like this is, is go to somebody's LinkedIn site, find out something about them, and use it not in an overt way, you know, or, or not trying to hide it. But if it's relevant, then for heaven's sakes, make it personal. A simple example, if you're, you've got a phone call set up with somebody, take 10 seconds to find out that they live in Minneapolis and what the weather is there right now. Uh, yeah. Or more deeply, you know, look up somebody and realize that, you know, they had an undergraduate degree in theology and, and they've gone into, you know, work for Google. Wow. I mean, that'd be interesting to find out, right? So ask them. Mm-hmm. You know, how did you go from being a, a divinity candidate to working in Google tech? I mean, something that makes it personal because the, the times are much... Now, that was true a year ago, but I think it's especially true now. So if you've got a great idea and you can match it up with something personal, then you have a chance for genuine connection. We're all more open to genuine connections than we were as long as you, you think about it. Make it intentional, make it personal.
0: Yeah, I love the point that... It's always been the right thing to do anyway, but the stakes are just really high right now. And, the, and perhaps the, the thing that is in the other person's mind is very different than it would have been a year ago. Almost definitely.
2: Right. And that's a wonderful question to ask. You know, how might that person's mind be different right now? What's going on? And take a risk at saying, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing in your situation, you got to be worried about this. Um, that's taking a little emotional risk to try and put yourself out there, and we credit people who do that.
0: Yeah, the businesses I see that I feel like are doing an amazing job of of continuing to be out there, not just selling but also leading in general. Just pivoted on a dime. They, you know, whoever their leadership was, was like, "This is going to be a big deal for a long time." right I, I know from intern you know internal discussions with a pretty good sized business that you know weeks ago they're like thro- we're throwing out our marketing calendar for the year and starting from scratch right now, like thro- delete everything, put it all on hold. what are we going to say going right. forward and that was I mean at least the way I received it, that was exactly the right thing to do. Yes, and I've seen a few other companies do the same thing where they immediately Not pivoted, but they immediately addressed by name, you know, coronavirus and then COVID nineteen and like this. This is it's like in every piece of marketing, we know this is on your mind and so on and so forth. And that, I mean, right? It's no small amount of work to change that much stuff that fast. But anybody else, if but the people who haven't done that, it's just like you know, I got a message from you know you get like. Like the co- the place we order coffee from, came- it was just like a normal email or like a, a thing from <laughs> you know Anthropology. Like my wife got this email from Anthropology, and it's just like you know any other Saturday type of email. And I was like, "Are you serious?"
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's 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 honest. It isn't just enough to throw COVID nineteen into your messaging either. Obviously, mm-hmm. you. Uh, I think most companies certainly are. We haven't figured it all out yet. We, we haven't figured it out yet. And, and I think the ability to be honest about that is to say, you know, hopefully things have changed. Um, and we don't know all yet what we're going to do and why and how, but we do know a few things and here they are. And therefore, you know, that's why we're, we're sending this or saying that that's, that's really just being transparent. Everybody else is feeling the same way. They don't know how this is going to end either.
1: That feels like the toughest thing for consulting people in particular. It's like we hate to admit we don't know something.
2: <laughs> yes, but, you know? but let me remind you, and you remember this, Rochelle, that uh, one of the most trust-creating things you can do for credibility is to say, I don't know. Like,
1: exactly.
2: Who's going to doubt you on that one, right? <laughs> that enhances your credibility. So this notion of covering up our, our carefully hewn brand image for credibility, forget it. You know, that credibility lies in being willing to expose what you don't know, at least as much as what you do know.
1: Well, Jonathan and I have taken a page, and I credit Jonathan with this, from Frozen 2, (laughs) where the character says, do the next right thing. Yes. And that's become our mantra, at least with the podcast, huh, Jonathan, the last few weeks?
0: Yep. Every time I've catch myself being like... um like not, I don't want, I almost said irrationally nervous. It's not like irrational, but you know, it's it's kind of like uh, stage fright. You where you, your body reacts as if you're being chased by a saber toothed tiger, and it's, right. it's it's you know, it's it's an overreaction. Yeah. And <clears throat> when I catch myself sliding into that a little bit here and there, I'm like, you know what? Shut up, brain, and just go help somebody. You know, right. like go. I'll get off of social media, or you know, get into my email and find an email where someone's asking me a question or, uh, or whatever, or just in Slack and just look for somebody who needs help right now. And it, it totally takes your mind off of yeah. your own, you know, I exactly. don't want to minimize it. It's like, but you didn't like if, if, you know, one minute I'm like, Oh, f- whatever, playing with my kids feel <laughs> fine. And then like the next minute, whatever my head, you know, I hear some news item or I get a notification about something pandemic related. And I can, you, know, you can go into that little spiral pretty quickly. Right. And when I catch myself, it's just like, okay, get away from that and go find someone to help. And, and right. it's no, you put, you put something in the article that I don't think we've called out here, but it's, it's <laughs> no period strings, period, attached period. <laughs> All right. And, and if you, if you just, if you recognize that, you know, this is a karma thing there. Who knows if this is ever going to turn into anything, you know, I've been helping people We homeschool. So we're used to right. uh, being at home with the kids and working. So I've been helping people with that. It's not, there's no business angle on it. Right. You know, it's, it's just like, keeps my mind off of my own. It keeps me, uh, my self orientation low Yes, in general. And, and I've gotten questions like, well, has, is that going to drive traffic to your site or something? I'm like, ah." No, it's going to keep me sane. It's going to keep me <laughs> moving forward. It's going to help other people. I mean, well, if you.
2: What you guys have said there is, is just full of paradoxical wisdom. I, first of all, I, I have not seen the, um, uh, the Frozen series. That line, do the next right thing, to my knowledge, came out of the recovery movement 12 steps, all that sort of thing. And it's a very important piece of it. It, it basically means get out of your head. Uh, And and trust your instinct. You know what the right thing is. And by the way, the right thing almost always involves other people. And as you pointed out, the antidote to high self-orientation is get off yourself and get out to other people. Do something with and for other people. And another paradox is imagine you were to live your life that way going forward. Let's say the crisis ends and you continue doing the next right thing that has a huge knock-on effect on your business. You become known as somebody who does the next right thing without regard to strings attached, uh, business model, et cetera. And lo and behold, one of the biggest myths out there uh, in in business, in my opinion, is the belief that the way you generate short-term revenue is through short-term behavior. The opposite is true. The way you generate short-term revenue is through long-term behavior. I mean, after all, the long-term is made up of a series of short-terms. And who would you want to deal with? Somebody who's instinctively, constantly behaving, do the right, next right thing, regardless of bottom line, or somebody who's minutely focused on every little uh, objective and and, and milestone along the way. You know, you'd rather deal with the first person. So it actually ends up, you know, paradoxically fighting your instincts to go inside your head turns out to be long-term good as well as short-term good for your business as well as your head. Well, There. So there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Solved. Solved, right? Easy to say.
1: (laughs) So what else do you think people like our audience, consultants, advisors, developers, what else should they be doing if they're stuck right now? I mean, clearly we're talking about changing that orientation. What are your other thoughts at this point?
2: If your business is shut down a little bit, which many of us are, It's not a bad time to sit down and write and reflect and do some of that uh, IP thought development. Um, It's definitely not a bad time to call up some old clients, people you haven't spoken to in a year. And, um, I mean, one practical thing my colleague, Andrea Howe, has done a better job of developing than I is call up somebody uh, just to say hi with, with no other objective in mind and to say how you're doing. Um, and be- before you make that call, you need to be honest about it. You need to, you know, spend sixty seconds or five minutes or whatever, making sure that you have no other intentions other than finding out how they are. You know, go back and look at the last communications you have with them. Think of something that you remember from interacting with them. Have that in mind when you call up, and and it'll be from the heart. It'll be genuine. I haven't talked to you in over a year. All this stuff is going on. I was wondering how you doing. Um. That's not a hard thing to do if you think about it rightly. And think about if you got a genuine call. I mean, a genuine call, not a, you know, canned email uh, with insert name here, but somebody who you hadn't seen for a while and, you know, maybe you're not terribly close to them. But if they manage to come across as authentic and genuine, that's a lovely thing. You know, we respond well.
0: Yeah, the weird thing I've noticed about the being in captivity, as Michelle put it, is that uh I'm much more connected with my extended family than I have been in a long long time. Ah, right. And yes, it it's virtual. Uh it's sure. it's over Facebook, it's over Zoom, like it was my youngest brother's birthday last night and so we had like a Zoom call where normally, you know, there's better than better than even odds that we might have gotten together for drinks or something if uh that was if it was a different, you know, year. But we wouldn't have had, you know, my sisters who live up north, you know, it, so it was almost like a much bigger group of people. It was a much bigger group of people than normal. It was like all my nieces and nephews and all of the, you know, brothers and sisters and brothers-in-laws and sisters-in-laws and all that, you know, it was probably like 20 people on the Zoom call. Right. Which was, which never would have been that many if You never it would was, have had that, right. Right. We wouldn't have done that. And that's just one example. There have been quite a few examples like that where... um. I mean, I have like 15 or 20 extra hours a week because I'm you know, right. not going to the gym, not going to karate, not going to other extracurricular activities. So it's like, hmm, what should I do? Yeah. The, the thing that I'm really trying to impress upon people is get off of social, the news feed of just, just ter- <laughs> terror. It's like they want you to be terrified at all times. Right. And it's just, I mean, fine. Check the news. It takes five minutes a day to check the news and sort of be up to date on what you need to know, maybe right. maybe more than five minutes, but you do not need to be on social media for six hours. Yeah. And it, what do I do instead with all this free time? Well, you know, like Charlie said, create some IP. I've been writing and creating videos like crazy. Connect right. with people, whether it's your family or past clients or random people who are looking for assistance with something you're an expert at online. Or just there's so many things you can do, and right. I don't know. I don't know what's so addictive about the bad news feed, but um.
2: yeah, it does. It's uh, it's like um, all the the addictive um,
1: it's a, features. Yeah, it's that, a drug.
2: Yeah, it's a drug. Right. We 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 become addicts through a lot of the social media by design, and I think the, meat, the You're right. The media and the news is 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 much the same. Um, yeah, you know, I think too that you know meeting up with twenty of your extended family. I've been doing a series of of online webinars, four hours worth of material broken into two parts, two hours each, with one of the big four um, accounting firms. We've been doing it for about five months. And last week was the first of these sessions that we had scheduled after all this stuff started happening. Up until then, we struggled to get to 40% sharing of uh, cameras. Um, you know, people just stay on, on audio, a group of 100 people, 80 people, and 40, only 40% of them would be willing to put their, their camera up, you know, at best. This last one, 80% didn't even have to harangue them. So, wow. uh, yeah, and it, and it materially changes it, you know, and um, you remind people there's a, there's a View option within Zoom. You can we call it the Brady Bunch view. You can look at twenty-four. Right,
0: that's <laughs> <one. laughs> <And, laughs> exactly what we said.
2: Yeah, and and you can you can give a thumbs up, a thumbs down. You can have interaction. You can see people's facial expressions. It makes a huge amount of difference. I mean, the the, the level of um, uh, subconscious communication that we get through the visual medium of being able to see somebody's face is, of course, enormous. And I suspect some of that's going to stay. Um, and that's a good thing. I mean, um, two things will happen. You know, we're going to get sick of zoom and, uh, we're going to get better at it. And I think the better at it thing is going to stick. So might as well be out in front of it.
1: You know, what strikes me about both of your stories is, and I usually think of this more with families, but I feel like we're making memories.
2: Definitely. You know, totally. Yes. And, and, um, you know, from a, I'll say from sort of a selfish perspective, um, you can be one of those memories with your clients uh, or you can not. And if you do business as usual and you shy away from the highly emotionally tinged moment, you won't be a memory. But if you can be one of those who reaches out a little bit further who is a little bit more willing to put themselves out, whether it's IP or emotions or whatever, that's going to stick. I mean, we're all going to have, you know, we all remember 9-11 memories and we all remember HIV memories. Well, some of them are going to stick from this. And and we have some agency over whether we're going to be a memory or not.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm really struck by that. I think this is an opportunity for everybody here to to make some memories with key clients with key audience members good ones right <laughs> good <no> memories
2: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. goes without yeah. saying, yeah
1: yeah yeah i feel like it's an opportunity and i you know i don't want to minimize this i know a lot of people are really suffering from this absolutely um, and and but in there is this opportunity for connection for what you call intimacy to reduce our self-orientation um, to do good things for the people in our audience. And, and then we hopefully all get to live, to tell about it afterwards.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the ultimate good thing is simply the act of reaching out the act of intimacy or lowered self-orientation to, you know, practice our muscles at that space. You get immediate feedback. I mean, if you, if you're able in some way, you know, past clients or current Zoom or or whatever, if you can increase that level of connection, that sticks. That doesn't fade away.
1: Yeah, you know, it's sort of the opposite. I I got an email just before this call from someone I'd worked with maybe 10 years ago who had retired, and she sent me the loveliest note and, and updated me on her life. I knew where she was now and what she was doing, but she updated me and thanked me for work that I'd done 10 years ago wow! that had an impact on her. And I was so moved by that. Yeah, And I don't know what made her suddenly do that, um, but it was, it was awesome. And when we get off this call, I'm going to call her. <laughs>
2: yeah, there you go. You know, it's, it's funny. You, I realized when you said that just yesterday, that the news of the, um, uh, the commanding officer of the uh, aircraft carrier, Theodore Roosevelt, that's all over the news, he got fired. Yeah. And I remembered an old friend of mine from high school. He uh, he went to the Naval Academy. I went to Harvard Business School. And we stayed in touch a little bit. Um, we were good friends. And I always knew you know his political views were a little different than mine. But we had common ground. And it occurred to me, I hadn't spoken to him in about, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. And I dug up his email and found him and said, you know, it's been forever. And by the way, I might see you when i'm driving back up north meanwhile what do you think about this whole thing and he gave me a brilliant you know rundown on what he knows and thinks about it after all he's pretty knowledgeable a career in the navy but more importantly i'm going to see him in a month or two and we've yeah. reconnected and that probably wouldn't have happened i wouldn't have bothered if it weren't for this time when you you know you think about past relationships and so on so yeah
1: it feels like it puts everything on steroids
2: yeah, it puts the emotional sides of our lives on steroids. It's a good, good way to put it. And um, you know, we can hunker down or we can embrace it.
0: Yeah, it's like everybody's receptors are open, and yeah, if you, it's and it, it's almost like, uh, it's like their half of the hug is sitting there waiting, and you can either. <laughs> you can yeah, either that's a
2: great way to put it.
0: You know, and, and I, I think of it. Having done quite a bit of consulting over the years, I. I, one of the things I've noticed in a less emotional, uh, less emotional version of this, is that it can be a lot of times your competition is is not some other consultant, but just the client sticking with the status quo and Absolutely. not wanting to make a change. That's and, the big
2: competitor. You and
0: right? Yeah, and and right now is a is like the status quo is on the ropes right now, so it's a great time to for someone who's going to make some kind of big change to do it. You know, like well, you know, and and Rochelle and I both know behind the scenes examples of people who are taking this opportunity to reposition their business or to lay the groundwork for a big slingshot forward in the eventual recovery and yeah these sorts of like ground groundwork type of things and yep. but what you're what you're bringing up uh, consciously to me is that it's there's sort of a same thing emotionally where there's an emotional status quo that's been thrown up in the air and now people are you know we're going to be more receptive to these kinds of communications and if you if you don't do it, you know when you come back, it's going to be a new normal, you're not going to be adjusted to it you're going to be not not be top of mind if yep. you know worst case scenario they're going to remember that you disappeared yeah you know, i can think I can think yeah. of people who I kept expecting to get an email from, and they never emailed me and I was like, oh, interesting it was a yeah, like my doctor for example huh like you know, really? Starbucks is sending me emails about COVID-19, but my concierge doctor. doctor has n- never sent me a thing.
2: <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm going to call him on it too.
2: There you, you should. Right. That's just like the uh, wealth advisor. Where were you when the, when, when yeah. the market was crashing? <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Well, it feels like, you know, Charlie, you call this credibility, but it feels like for those of us who want to use some of this time to build that, it's like, we have to do it on an emotional level, as well as an intellectual level. And I, I mean, I think that's always been true. Right. But I think it's more important now. Well, that's
2: exactly how I see it. It has, you know, if you look at the research we've done on trustworthy behavior and data from the trust quotient and so forth, yes, it always has been the most important, but it's, it's gone, you know, much more so right now. We are all in an emotionally vulnerable Uh, state, we're all looking for some, if not certainty and clarity, then at least collaboration, connection, you know, people that are in the same boat. And um, we can't give in to the desire to, you know, close the blinds and hunker down in your apartment. This is the time to reach out.
1: Yeah, actually, let me let me ask you about that. So you talk about um, the quote I have is leaving from our highest selves, (laughs) which I love, by the way, and can you Talk more about that, because I feel like maybe that's what incorporates all of this stuff we've been talking about.
2: Um, was, that, was that a quote from me?
1: Um, well, you know, actually, I said that it might have been from Andrea yeah. in, in the article, right. but I, I loved it. It felt very, yeah. it felt very uh, Trust Matters-esque.
2: Yes, yes, I think it, I think it does. You know, in, in that sense, our higher selves is the part of us that connects with other people. It's not the solitary stuff. It's not the gist of credibility. You can get more smart. You can get more credentialed. You can get more expert all by yourself sitting in your room. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You can craft reliability through uh, track records of doing things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, what What Andrew's calling, you know, our, our higher selves, that's the part that's connected with other people. That's the intimacy. That's the low self-orientation. And, um, you know, I think we've been... You know, finding various metaphors and, and ways of talking about that, but that—that uh, that forging of connectivity and connection—that's—I'm um, I'm running out of ways to say it, but that's that's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it's at.
0: Great. I, I hear well, you. Yeah. So we all we all are. Beating the horse as uh, as we often do on the show. <laughs> Some horses it's, bear it's, repeated beating. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's an important message and it's uh, now's the time, you know. It's it's like if you want to step up now is the time to step up. And you should, dear yep. listener.
1: And you should. Yep, absolutely. So Charlie, is there are there any last Pearls of wisdom that you'd like to sprinkle on the waters here?
2: Oh, geez, we've, we've hit most of them. I, <laughs> when, when people say, is there any one thing that you would say, um, I, I'll give you two. One of them is listening. I mean, I'm hardly the only person to say that, but listening in a particular way. Listening is a form of respect to other people. Give respect to other people by paying attention to them. Offer 100% of your mental bandwidth, your emotional bandwidth as a way of validating who they are without any attempt to sell or solve a problem or anything. So listen as a sign of respect. That's one. And the other one is be curious because as uh, as Jonathan, you mentioned earlier, uh, or we talked about high self-orientation wrapped up in yourself. Curiosity is the antidote to that. It means you can't be curious without getting outside of your own head. So listen for respect and be curious.
1: Love
0: right. it. Yeah, that's great.
1: So Charlie, how can people find you and follow you in some of the places that you yeah. you share your wisdom?
2: Thank you for that. The easiest one is the website, trustedadvisor.com. That's spelled with an O-R, not an E-R. And um, from there, you can find out how to take the trust quotient yourself. You can find out email addresses, blogs, articles, et cetera, uh, trustedadvisor.com.
1: Awesome. Charlie, thank you so much. I mean, this is just, it's, it's so timely and we, we need to hear this message. And I just really appreciate you doing this pretty last minute.
2: Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> thank I, I, you. I totally appreciate the invite and the honor and, uh, last minute just means it is the right time. So thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye.